This is Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, episode number 209. We are so excited for you to meet our guest today. She is an amazing social change agent, Vani Woodrick, and she is on a mission to change the narrative about suicide. You will not want to miss this episode. to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. This is the only podcast that shows you how to leverage polarity intelligence, an essential competency for healthcare leaders and the missing logic in healthcare so you can create healthy healing organizations and become a thriving, resilient, and unstoppable healthcare leader. We are your hosts, Tracy Christofferson and Michelle Troset. We've been best friends and colleagues for over 30 years. And during that time, we coached healthcare leaders across North America around how to create healthy healing organizations. Today, we coach healthcare leaders and leadership teams to live thriving, resilient, and balanced lives, combat burnout, and create the best places to give and receive care. This podcast is for the unsung hero of healthcare, the healthcare leader. We want you to know we see you and we'll be here for you each week. In this podcast, we're going to challenge healthcare's industry norms, flip limiting beliefs, and share proven strategies so you can be your best self at working at home, live and lead intentionally, and experience well-being and joy. We are glad you are here and look forward to sharing the journey with you. If you aren't totally convinced this podcast is for you, just listen to a few episodes and convince yourself. Well, welcome everybody back to another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. This is Tracy. And Michelle. Just another lovely day in the studio. We're back together again in the studio. Yep. Back in, I'm back in Michigan. It's May. Yep. We've got the bright light shining down on us, the mm-hmm. microphones in front of us. Just wrapped up another phenomenal guest interview. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, all good. It's all good. <laughs> you are going to meet a lovely person today, Vani Woodrick. Yes. It was a, she's a very, um, just well-spoken, intelligent, heartfelt change agent. Yeah, that's what she is. She's a social change agent. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it really came from a lot of grief and a lot of personal loss. Vani lost her husband to depression and uh, went through an incredible journey and has come out impacting many, many lives following her passion. Yes. Yeah. She has a newfound purpose, I think. I think so, too. She's making a big difference, and we were delighted to have her share her story and uh, her purpose with everybody who's listening. Yeah. So I'm going to introduce you to Vani, and then we will get on with our interview. So Vani Woodrick is a compassionate and enthusiastic social change agent. Her founding of the nonprofit organization, I Understand, exemplifies her determination to change the stigma surrounding mental brain health illness and loss to suicide. She's the author of the book, I Understand Pain, Love, and Healing After Suicide, which is currently in 52 units of the Michigan Sheriff's Department Victim Advocates Unit. This book is a resource to families who have lost a loved one to suicide. And her second book, Change Can Be Beautiful, is a small but powerful book that she wrote to share her life after loss lessons. Bonnie has a podcast called Behind the Smile. 
And this is a passion project to bring the conversation of mental health to everyday places and reduce stigma. She also leads a support group and a walking group. She's been featured in the national publication Woman's World on how walking helped her heal her heart. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Vani. Well, welcome, Vani, to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. We are so excited to have you here as a guest. Well, I am excited to be here. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. It's lovely to be with you today. Yes, yes, yes. So we're so grateful. We want our listeners to know that we are actually recording this in the month of May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month, which makes it extra special for you to be our guest, Fani. And being from West Michigan, you know, we've been exposed to you in various different ways in your work and your nonprofit organization um, that is really challenging the definition of suicide. And we want, we've been wanting to have you on our show. And so we're so excited excited that we finally made it happen. And so, yay. <laughs> yay, <laughs> body. Yay. <laughs> and so you are here now, and we want to just start out with you sharing with your listeners, our listeners, your story and your mission. Awesome. Well, I'm happy, very, very happy to be here. And I was even more happier to see you in pink. <laughs> because that means that you are paying attention and that you are following. So just quick before I forget, we wear pink because it's the color of unconditional love, loving ourselves enough to reach out for help when needed and loving each other for who we are. So thank you for wearing pink today. Um, My story, oh man, it's a long story. It's been um, about almost 20 years since I lost my husband to depression. And um, at that time, I don't think we really knew the extent of um, what depression was, Um, didn't know that depression could kill, didn't know that depression had a deadly effect to it. And it's kind of ironic because my husband was fourth generation suicide. So there were four, three generations before him. So we should have been more knowledgeable, but because of the stigma People don't talk about it. People sweep it under the rug. And quite honestly, I didn't know what to look for. So I started, I understand, um, nine years ago to evoke conversation. What does that mean? I had young kids. They were 5, 12, and 15 at the time. And how do you tell a five-year-old that their dad died by suicide? I'm sure I was like many others that thought suicide was something a crazy person did. But my husband wasn't crazy. He was kind, loving, gentle, fun, successful. He made me laugh. He made our kids laugh. Um, So suicide wasn't anything that I ever thought would be happening to me. And when it did, I didn't like the changes that were made in my life. Um, Friends that were friends were no longer friends. People would ask very hard questions like, why would your husband do something like that to you? How did he do it? Which is the number one question asked to someone that loses someone to suicide. And I don't think that people realize that that's a trigger for me, having me go back to the moment where I found him. So um, my husband was in the hospital for four days. And um, so I had that experience as well. 
So when I started, I understand. I started simply by giving t-shirts away to evoke conversation that said, I understand love heals. It was about six months after I had started the t-shirts, I had the chief of behavioral health at Helen DeVos Children's Hospital reach out to me. And they said, we want to partner with you. And I was like, oh, I give t-shirts away. <laughs> you know, what does this look like? What does this mean? Um, but I was very honored that they were actually listening and looking to what I was doing at such an early time of the organization. So after about a year and a half, we developed um, care packages mm -hmm. for those in a, with a mental health crisis at the hospital to leave with. Um, but we also um, created a position for a nurse, the first in the country nurse specializing in mental health in a traditional hospital setting at Helen DeVos Children's Hospital. In her first year, she screened 1,100 children for suicidal ideation and trained 11,000 Spectrum Health employees on using the proper narratives. And we'll talk about that later when we get to the definition petition and why I do, why I'm doing the definition petition. But that just really um, kind of put us in the forefront of, okay, what are we doing? And so the nurse was so successful at the hospital that now Spectrum Corwell Health pays her position. So I asked Ashley, our nurse, I'm like, what is the number one thing that you need to help you in your role at the hospital? And she said, a sensory room. So we have funded one of the first in the country sensory rooms at the hospital for children who are on the autistic spectrum, who are at risk of harming themselves or others during their hospital stay. But through COVID, so many other kids had high anxiety that they really found that the sensory room was of great help. So many other things we do, that's really the, the, the kickoff. Um, we have a support groups, we have walking groups, we do, um, a discussion series three times a year or three series, three conversations, three times, one time a year. Um, but so many things that we do and that's just, just the start of it. Wow. Wow. What an amazing story. Yeah. Now I'm curious, Vani, has that model been replicated anywhere else across the country with the hospital partnership? The nurse? Yeah. The nurse, we, you know, she's a clinical nurse specialist specializing in mental health. At this point in West Michigan, she is not. I have heard, and this was probably a year ago, that there were three others now okay. throughout the country. Okay. Oh, wow. That's great. That's that is. Great. Well, we've been working with healthcare leaders to help them combat burnout, you know, since the beginning of um, the pandemic as well. So over the last three or so years, and we really recognize and helping them to recognize not only they need to come combat it for themselves, but also to create healthy healing work cultures. And um, we had uh, Corey Feist on our podcast, and he's the brother-in-law of Dr. Lorna Breen, who died in the early days of the pandemic. Now, she did not have a history of anxiety or depression or any mental health issues, but her death was a result of uh, becoming so overwhelmed and despondent during the first wave of the pandemic that she actually became immobile. She couldn't move. She called her sister and said, I can't move. And then she died. Um, 
And they started the Dr. Lorna Breen Heroes Foundation. Now, their focus is reducing the stigma as well, and specifically for healthcare um, providers that are trying to seek mental health support because one of the barriers for Dr. Breen was the stigma, and she did not seek help because of the stigma. So that was a significant factor in the suicide. So um, he was, uh, we, we did his interview, was episode number 158, mm-hmm. and it was on reducing mental health stigma for healthcare professionals. And, um, and it's really been one of our most downloaded podcasts. So I think there's a lot of uh, synergy there really between what you're trying to do in relationship to the stigma around suicide. And then, you know, just the whole impact of mental health and the contribution that that makes. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I think that, you know, you bring up a really good point in, in saying that, she had no history, but there's always something right. And her being overwhelmed. And when we look at the suicide statistics over, according to the CDC, over 54% of those that die by suicide do not have a diagnosed mental health illness. But when we talk about it, what are we talking about? Right. We're always talking about their mental health illness or we need to, that's in my definition petition is we need to add pain into that conversation because I believe pain is a common denominator of all suicides. So we're missing so many people. We're missing the warning signs. We're missing knowing what to do and what to say. And unfortunately, with healthcare workers, first aid responders, um, police, they are afraid. Many of them are afraid that they're going to lose their job. Um, They're not going to be able to go into work because they might be exhausted, right? Overwhelmed, um, starting to get depressed themselves, lack of sleep. All of those things, feelings can lead to suicidal thoughts and suicidal ideation. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's such an important point to make. Yeah, it is. Because you don't have to have the diagnosis, right, to be experiencing no, I mean, the like, pain. That, absolutely. I mean, like I just said, with over more than half of those that die by suicide, people will say, I'm so shocked. I'm so shocked. I'm like, how can we be so shocked when we're losing almost a million people a year worldwide to suicide? But then we're acting shocked. That's because we're not talking about the pain and where where else does pain come from? It comes from bullying, it comes from isolation, it comes from physical pain, it comes from heartache, it comes from financial devastation. Those right there are red flags. Right. And my doctor told me one red flag was too many, you know. So how do we talk about and get that word out that if you know of a loved one or a coworker or a neighbor that is going through anything that causes pain, divorce, financial loss, worried about how they're going to feed your family, you need to check in, check in and offer some resources. Mm -hmm. Well, that just brings up such an important point that this isn't going to come from a medical diagnosis, right? This is going to come from awareness of your neighbor, of your family, and raising the awareness and the narrative, like you said. It's, that's, that's absolutely true. I mean, talking saves lives. We have to talk about it. We, and if we don't, look at what happens. 
we lose people that we shouldn't be losing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we love your approach, Fani, because it's very specific to being a social change agent. And before I go on, Tracy, and I just want to congratulate you and call out that just last week, you won the Brilliance Award for Social Change by the West West Michigan Women's uh, Community. So congratulations for that recognition. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was, you know, I get, sometimes I get really emotional when I talk about it because it's so bittersweet. You know, I am honored and I was privileged and to be in a room with so many unbelievably passionate, talented, professional women. And I'm up there in this bittersweet way of I had to lose my husband to be there. And that's not easy. And I think that when we, I look at my life and I look at my journey And I hope that I can be of inspiration and provide hope to others and set an example of that life must move forward. And without my loss, I wouldn't be here today talking about it, hoping to make a difference in somebody else's life. I didn't know that I could write, that I would be an author. I didn't know I would be a podcast host, you know, and then to be recognized at, you know, to me, um, kind of a big, big deal in, in the scope of West Michigan. So it's what we do. We all go through stuff, yes. but it's what we do with it that matters the most. That That's exactly right. Well, and you know, you were called out for the social change that you are making from your work and it's so well-deserved and that change is about changing the definition and the narrative of suicide. So this is something I've never heard before. I mean, we're we're familiar with mental health issues. We've been talking about it for a long time. But you um, you have taken in your work the typical definition of suicide and your I Understand Love Heals Foundations definition that you're bringing forward. So tell our listeners how you have defined that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it goes back to, you know, trying to raise children, trying to figure this out. And, you know, having people ask me, you know, that dreaded question, how did he do it? And how, and I'm like, why are we talking more about the act than we are the illness? And that's what the definition petition does for me. It brought these questions to the forefront. There's three specific ones that I ask. The one I just said, why are we talking more about the act than we are the illness? If my husband did not choose depression, how could he choose his death? And why is the brain the only organ in our body that's judged and stigmatized when it fails, when it's weak, when it's in pain? Is our brain perfect? Somebody can die from the flu and it's accepted. Somebody can die from heart disease. Somebody could smoke their entire life and die from lung cancer, but they're not judged. So for me, with the definition petition, going from one who intentionally kills themselves to an effect of a mental brain health illness or pain. I put brain in there because brain is the organ. This isn't just about our mental 
health. It's about our brain and our brain being an organ and understanding that the brain can fail just like every other bone, organ, blood in our body. So the proposed definition is an effect of um, a mental brain health illness or pain. So what I do is I say, when people ask me how my husband died, I talk about the illness rather than the act. So my husband died of depression. Mm -hmm. And so if I said my husband killed himself, I mean, how stigmatizing and dark is that? If I say my husband committed suicide, I'm adding to the stigma because up until 1964, suicide was considered a crime. So let's change it. It's so simple to start changing your views by changing your narratives and saying the illness instead of the act. So in our support group, we go around and we talk about how our loved one, how we lost our loved one. And we hear addiction, we hear bullying, we hear financial devastation. We, I mean, I had one person, one parent, because I talked to a lot of um, people on the phone and they're like, we just didn't see anything. We didn't see anything. And then after about 20 minutes, well, he had a gambling addiction and he was $80,000 in debt. And he was, that's something that can bring on suicidal thoughts and actions, that disappointment of choices, right? Mm-hmm. If, if an illness is a choice um, that we've made throughout our journey. So, so it's really important to me to talk about the illness rather than the act, look at mental health illness is health and talk about like, if you had cancer, what would you do? You would talk about it with your family. You would find the best doctor you could to treat it. You would get treatment, maybe have prescription medication, and then do follow-up for five years. Why aren't we doing those same things when we have a mental brain health illness or experiencing pain? Mm -hmm. Because I can guarantee you, if we did, this will normalize the conversation. People would be more apt to reach out talk about it and lives will be saved. So powerful. It gives me goosebumps to tell you the truth because <laughs> it's, it's, it's so s- simple and the way that you bring it, it's so logical, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, it makes so much sense. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and now talk, say a little bit about the petition because you've, you know, you've brought forward this new definition and rationale of why this makes so much sense. But you're also calling for a petition to get more people aware of it and to actually sign a petition. And we'll, we're going to put a link to your website in our um, show notes. But talk about the petition a little bit. Yeah. So we created the pet- petition a couple of years ago on change.org. We are at over 20,000 signatures on change.org. To be a top um, change on change.org, you need like 25,000. Now, we are also, we've also added some of the national suicide and mental health organizations on there to petition. Um, we have about 6,000 signatures on paper. So we're, we're close to 30,000 signatures. Now, what does that mean, right? Will the petition, will it ever be changed? I don't know. But what it allows us to do is to talk about Mm -hmm. it. It allows us to bring it to everyday places. 
And when I talk about it in, in, in our support group, for example, and I'm talking about the illness rather than the act and how, you know, I look at it as my husband died of a terminal illness. He did everything he could. This is also the only illness that, you know, besides being judged and stigmatized and talked about the act more than the illness, I believe it can be terminal. My husband died of a terminal illness because every other illness can be terminal. So um, the the way the body movement, the relief that people that have lost, the guilt that takes off them, what didn't I do? What didn't I see? Um, is truly life-changing for them. I mean, I, I have witnessed it and it's a, it, it's almost a beautiful thing to watch that they can kind of take, understand it differently and more accurately and looking at it as an, an effect of an illness rather than a choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, you know, you, you ended up writing a book, which was, really a very powerful book. It's I Understand Pain, Love, and Healing After Suicide. And that was over 15 years after the loss of your husband, Rob. And, you know, it's just, it's a, it's such a powerful story. I love the way you wrote it. You talk about your life with Rob before. You talk about your family. Talk about what an incredible human being he was. And then the journey beyond, right? The journey after. And, um, it just it just really gives you it gives the reader such insight into the roller coaster ride that this really is, right? The difficult times. Um and in your story, we found so much connection to our story. Your love for, you know, Lake Charlevoix, um, you know, the Boyne City area, which is where I live, just are just a lot of connections. So Grand many. Rapids. Uh, meaningful dialogue and conversations, you know, um, starting a movement. So, you know, just such synergy um, for all of us in the midst of that story. So that was, you know, that was really kind of um, fun to see as well. But I just really want you to just take a minute and share what kind of a gift has this been for you um, in writing Mm -hmm. your story, telling the story, honoring your husband and your journey um, kind of what, what's been the gift of all of that and the finding yeah. kind of, of a purpose? Yeah. You know what? I carry a gift with me every single day. And my husband was one of the most passionate people. I mean, he didn't, he, we also, we also started the restaurant Bistro Bella Vida. So, and Bella Vida means beautiful life. Mm. We truly, truly believe we had a beautiful life. Um, and I named it actually. Um, so when I look at his passion, I mean, he didn't just eat food. He was like, or make it. I mean, he would be reducing sauces and he would be doing all the stuff that I could never do wine. He didn't just drink it. He had to know where the grape, the this and the that, which I still don't know. Um, the way he was with his biking. I mean, he was like number three in the state for mountain biking at the time. I mean, he just had these passions and I would say to him, I'm like, I want your passion. And and he'd be like, well, look at how much you love your kids. And I'm like, it's so different, you know? Like, of course I love my kids, but I really want that passion. And today I have the passion that I saw so deeply in him. It's just different. It's my passion is truly 
making a difference in somebody else's life. And if they have to go through what I went through, I don't want them to be alone. And I want them to have resources and things available to them. And truly, let's update that conversation so we can talk about it in a more accurate way to also understand it, reduce the judgment, and allow people to reach out for help. So my my husband left me with the biggest biggest gift of passion. And I know that without him by my side, I would not have been able to take this as far as we have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're leaving a legacy now and he's watching over you. (laughs) I, I truly, truly, I, I, I truly believe that, that he is, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that I, I feel his present. And even in my writing, I feel at times the, the words come way before, I mean, I'm still old fashioned, you know, I sometimes write it out before my pen or before the keyboard. So I really feel like divine, divine comes in and help me, helps me mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Wow. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much. This has been an amazing interview and so much just really enlightenment, insight, We're looking so forward to our friends and family and listeners listening to it, Vani. And now we've come to the part of our interview where we get to ask you some missing questions that you don't know what is coming. And this is fun. (laughs) Don't feel any pressure. Yeah, no pressure. No pressure. I'm ready. Okay, so I'm going to ask you the first two, and Tracy's going to wrap it up at the end. And uh, you already, um, you know, you already made it known to our listeners that your favorite color was pink, which is why Tracy and I wore pink today as well. But I was wondering if you could tell our listeners what your second favorite color is and why. What comes right after pink? Oh, my gosh. My second favorite color is blue. (laughs) And blue matches the sky and the water. And I find so much peace and relaxation in blue. And it's really funny because people, I love it. Like you guys show up in pink. And sometimes when I don't have pink on, I have blue on. And they're like, where's your pink? And I'll say, well, some days I feel blue. (laughs) Well, you just have to know that our branding colors for Missing Logic are pink and blue. (laughs) What? Yay. See, we're all connected some way. Even if it's true. I know. I know. That's so true. All right. Here's our second question for you, Vani. If Hollywood ever did a movie of your story or life, what would it be called? My Shattered Heart. Hmm. No hesitation there. No. No. Love it. All right, I got the last question. Okay. So we um, work with individuals, healthcare leaders specifically most recently, really to help them develop what we call polarity intelligence. And polarities are interdependent pairs of values or perspectives, right? They appear to be opposite, but they're really interdependent and they need each other to achieve a greater purpose. And what we know and what we've learned about polarities is that we always have a preference pole. So out of the two, there's usually one we kind of 
navigate towards or lean towards just naturally it tends to be our preference. And, um, and so we're going to share a polarity with you and want you to just respond from your, your gut, from your intuition around which is your preference pole. Okay. okay. So confidence and humility. So which is my preference out of the two? Mm-hmm. You know, they're both so important, but I feel like humility is the one that is the hardest for people because it's hard to maybe sometimes admit if we're wrong or to show that human side. Um, So I think it takes more humility to talk about what we're going through because it's a deeper feeling, I think, than confidence. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one. It's not an easy one. I thought, wow, I probably have to think about that. (laughs) You did a great job. Yeah. Great job responding. Uh, Yeah. So thank thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah. So, wow. Thank you for really for being here, for sharing your perspective. It's fresh and invited and so needed. And we are just really grateful that you chose to come here on our podcast and share it. And we really wish you so much success in your petition to change the definition of suicide and your continued journey to support others. And, uh, it's just been, it has been, it's really been lovely. Where can people find you, Bonnie? Uh, we are on social media platforms. I understand lovehealth.org is our website. Facebook seems to be our biggest reach. Facebook, I understand Love Heals. You can find us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. I think we're on TikTok now, so <laughs> you can find us there. But I would like to leave you with okay. this, that if you are struggling, if you need support, if you are living in pain, I want you to know that there is help available and 24 seven call or text 988 because I promise you this, the world is a much better place with you in it. Thank you. What a great way to close. Yeah. Thank you so much. And for all of our listeners, that's another wrap of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast and stay safe and healthy. And we'll see you on the next episode. See you next time. enjoyed this episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, now a top-rated podcast for healthcare leaders. Please share this podcast with other healthcare leaders and anyone else you think would benefit. We are certain that if you found value in it, they will too. If you haven't already done so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And also, it would mean the world to us if you took a quick moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. It helps to get the word out about our podcast and incredible guests. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to watch our podcasts. You can also follow us on our Missing Logic social media channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until next time.